Good morning. Psalm 36. Good to be here with you all today. Psalm 36. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. We will get you one. Be happy to get you one. And if you don't have a Bible, you can have that one. Or you can have Elijah's Bible. He doesn't ever, he doesn't ever read it. <laughs> Psalm 36, the word of the Lord. An oracle within my heart concerning the transgression of the wicked person. Dread of God has no effect on him. For with his flattering opinion of himself, he does not discover and hate his iniquity. The words from his mouth are malicious and deceptive. He has stopped acting wisely and doing good. Even on his bed, he makes malicious plans. He sets sets himself on a path that is not good. He does not reject evil. Lord, your faithful love reaches to the heaven, your faithfulness to the clouds. Your righteousness is like the highest mountains. Your judgments like the deepest sea. Lord, you preserve people and animals. How priceless your faithful love is, God. People take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They are filled from the abundance of your house. You let them drink with your refreshing stream. For the wellspring of life is with you. By means of your light, we see light. Spread your faithful love over those who know you and your righteousness over the upright in heart. Do not let the foot of the arrogant come near me or the hand of the wicked drive me away. There the evildoers have fallen. They have been thrown down and cannot rise. Lord, thank you for your word. Uh, Thank you for this opportunity, Lord, that we have uh, to gather together to sit under the authority of your word. Lord, we We love, Lord, to see one another, uh, to sing the word together, to pray the word together, to read the word together, to recite the word together, to confess our sins together, to take communion together, to worship together, Lord. Lord, may we receive grace, and by us coming to you knowing that we need grace and mercy and forgiveness, Lord, and strength, may you receive glory in that, in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so this psalm starts off fun, right? (laughs) We see the wickedness of man in the first four verses. Now, I'm going to go back to this, but an oracle within my heart, I think within my heart is very very key. Um, What I believe David is doing here, and I am going to double back and make an aside point about this. Actually, it's probably going to be the whole point of my sermon, is David, I believe, is thinking about the, his own remaining wickedness and sin in his own life. And then as he does that, he does something that we normally, I don't think, do. And if we do, it's, we certainly maybe don't do that well. And if we do, we don't do it for that long before we start thinking about just the wickedness in our own heart, right? But when David, in this psalm, thinks about the remaining sin and the temptation to sin, I mean, the old man is dead, right? But the old man sure sounds, feels like a lot of times that he's clinging on for his life, right? The struggle between the flesh, you know, and the spirit that, that goes on in the, the life of a believer. 
And here when David, though, thinks of his own wickedness, he thinks of wicked man in general. And I just th- think that's fascinating that he does that. I don't know if I've actually ever done that. I've certainly thought about wicked man uh, every time I read the scriptures. Every time I, I mean, I don't have news anymore, but every time I get on Twitter, I, I look in the comments section, usually on my own comments section, and I'm like, oh, goodness gracious. Um, but I, I usually never really have connected the two. And if I have, I didn't know that I did do that which thinking about my own sin has oftentimes, I just think about my own sin and, and then have that whole back and forth, right? But I think it's cool here that when David thinks about his own sin, he thinks about sin in general, wicked man in general, all right? And he paints a bleak, bleak picture. An oracle within my heart concerning the transgressions of the wicked person. Dread of God has no effect on him. Dread of God has no effect on him. There is no fear of God. And it has, I mean, no fear has no effect on him. God, the, who God is, what God has done, what God has has declared himself to be. I mean, think about all the, the massive attributes. Uh, God is all powerful and never changing and impassable and, and, and simple and eternal and infinite. Simple is in not complex. He's not made up of parts that all those incredible aspects of who God is, has no effect on this man looks around at the world, nothing. If he even has or heard the, the, the word of God, has no effect on him whatsoever. For with his flattering opinion of himself, he does not discover and hate his iniquity. That's, listen, one of the first things and maybe the main things that pride does, we often go to just the definition of pride, right? that, that it, it puffs us up. It makes us think we're better than we really are. One of the things and the scary things about pride is that one of the things it does, maybe the first thing it does is it blinds us. It blinds us to the fact that we are even prideful. So I could say, I could look in the mirror and be like, are you prideful? And like, if I, I gotta be careful because it's like, no, of course I'm not. I think you've probably heard uh, blind spots, right? People have blind spots. And then you ask people if they have blind spots, and they're like, no. How do they know? <laughs> I mean, they're, they're blind spots, right? And pride, this is the tricky thing about pride, is we often, in the areas in our life where we are proud, we're not even aware of it, which is why we so desperately need the, the power of the Holy Spirit, the, through the Word of God. We need one another, like people that are actually for us to help us tap us on the shoulder and be like, bro, I love you but what are you doing here? And we, we desperately need all of those things, right? We need community. We need fellowship. We, we need, Lord, help me. Lord, help me to understand your word and illuminate your word to me. Lord, convict me of, of sin. Lord, convict me of, of pride in my life. Because, I mean, look at the w- wicked man. For with his flattering opinion of himself, he does not even discuss. He can't hate iniquity because he doesn't even discover it. Can't mourn for the sin in his life because he doesn't even see it. Can't confess his sins because he has no sins to confess in his pride. The words from his mouth are malicious and deceptive. Malicious, just the worst possible words that you could think coming out of someone's mouth to tear down another human being, basically. And when they're not that, like, so he's full of his own flattery, all right? And then when he talks to people, the words that come out of his mouth are malicious and tearing down. And even if he were not to talk that way, 
His other words are deceptive. Flattery. Flattery for himself. Flattery for other people. Oh, you're doing so good. You're knocking it out of the park. Oh, that dude sucks. Talks out both ways of his mouth. Man, I love Elijah. He's just the best. Man, did you hear what Elijah did today? It just, it's just even when we, like, even if our words aren't malicious to each other's face, they're malicious behind one another's back. This is the picture of the wicked man. It's a bad scene. He has stopped acting wisely and doing good. So it affects what goes on in the heart, what comes out of the mouth, of course, develops into the hands and the feet. Stop doing the things that we're supposed to be doing, and we start using our hands and our feet and our eyes to do the things that are despicable, the things that are evil, the things that are wicked. Even on his bed, he makes malicious plans. I mean, this is the warp and the wolf, you know, of the sin and what it does. To, to, this is the, the fallen nature of man. This is what's out there, right? This is what that, remember, we're, we're, I'm going to double back what's in here, but this is what's out there. And of course, this is who we used to be. <laughs> I mean, if we're being honest with ourselves, because this is the picture of the fallen man. This is the picture of the wicked man. This is the picture of those who are enemies of God. And he, even when he's on his bed, what, I mean, what do, what do we think about when we go to sleep? Picture a man on his bed before he goes to sleep, just like, oh, I can't wait to get up in the morning and do evil. Just so evil. That's his last thought. It's incredible. He has that much energy towards wickedness that even when he goes down to go to bed, he wastes that last little bit of energy on how he's going to be malicious and wicked the following day. He sets himself on a path that is not good. You don't say, and he does not reject evil. He doesn't reject evil because he loves evil. And he, what, what, what God declares to be evil, this guy declares to be what? Good. Because he's blind. His eyes are blind. Can't see. Doesn't want to see. Couldn't see couldn't see if you told him to see it because he's so blind and so evil and so dead in his trespasses and sins. When you're pointing out to this person, like the law of God and what's good and what's right, he's, he's got it flipped. He's got the script flipped. And so he thinks you're an idiot. What, what you know to be light, he, he calls darkness. And what you know to be darkness, he calls, he calls light. And he's happy with it. Has no desire to walk out of it in his own power and strength. This is the wicked man. This is Psalm 14. This is Romans 3, 10 through 18, where Paul picks up from David and he says, there is no one righteous, no, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. All alike have become worthless. There is no one who does what is good, not even one. And here it is. Their throat is an open grave. They deceive with their tongues. Viper's venom is under their lips. Their mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and wretchedness are in their path. And the path of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Verse 1. There is no fear of God. Dread of God has no effect on them. Ah, oh, the, the heart of the evil. Of the heart is evil and deceitfully wicked. Who could know it? Who can cure it? Fallen, fallen man. And so David, seeing the sin in his own life, in his own heart, thinks of just the sin out there, and it is bad. 
and, and we know it to be so. We, we know what's going on in the world. I mean, we know what's going on in the world just in a few bullet points, which I know they're hot topics, but when we think about how quickly man is, is swift and swift to run, to, to kill babies, uh, to mutilate little kids, to divorce their spouses, to, to sue for the dumbest things. Their coffee was too hot, and so they sue McDonald's. Remember that one? I mean, there's never a better example in the history of the world. And, and this is what man is swift to do, to, to devour, to bite, and devour, and to gossip. This is what's out there. Yes, this is what's sometimes in here. I'm going to get to that. And yes, that's who we used to be, but it's out there. And you feel it. And I think, I'm not sure if this is true, but I think every generation, and I don't, I'm not saying this is a bad thing, but I think every generation of believers thinks they're living in the worst generation ever. And, and I'm, I'm not even saying, I used to make, like, think that that was, I, I kind of just thought it was foolishness. Like, I mean, pe people have had it worse than us. People right now have it worse than us. But I think, I think you know how, in one sense, I think it's good for every generation of Christ Christians to, to, like, oh, Lord, come quickly. The Lord's coming back. I, I don't, he's going to come back before I die. I think that's healthy, right? I, I think it can be healthy as long as you don't get carried away with that. I think it can also be really healthy to realize like it's okay to be like have this sense that it's it's just getting worse. Because I guarantee it's getting worse for you. I mean, things are not better off when I was 10 now that I'm almost 50. And so I, I don't know if it's getting worse collectively, but it's bad out there. It's insane out there. It's delusional out there. I mean, of course, the, the darkness hates the light. And we are seeing it, especially with technology and social media and, and, and um, just TV and whatever. And just, you're just seeing just people losing their minds. And listen, they're delusional, but they are so delusional out there that they don't know they're delusional. I hope you guys know that. <laughs> there was a time where I think they knew they believed a lie. I'm not so sure that they know they're believing the lie. When we're like mutilating little kids before they can even go through puberty. When we're murdering babies, I, there was a time where it's like, they know they're babies. This is how evil it is. They know they're babies and they're, they don't care because they, they've said the quiet things out loud. But I do believe we've reached a point now, those people's kids who have been brought up in that environment, they, they, they don't know that they're, they're so delusional, they don't, even, they don't even know they're delusional. They don't know that they're believing a lie. They, they think that this is... This is the truth that'll set society free. And it's despicable. And so we know it's out there, right? And it's grim. And David paints the picture. But then look what he does. He doesn't go. This is what I love about this psalm. He doesn't go to wicked man and then go to righteous man. He, he doesn't go, look at the wicked man and then look at me. Look at the wicked man and look at my best friend who loves the Lord. No, he doesn't go to, to a righteous man. He goes to the righteous man. He flies to Jesus, right? I mean, it, it, and it's a simple thing, right? When we think about the sin out there and the wickedness out there, to avoid fear that is paralyzing and helplessness and to avoid becoming a culture warrior, which again, there's a time and place for that. Uh, I'm, I'm at war with the culture, but I'm not a culture warrior, right? 
how do I not, how do I avoid these pitfalls? How do I avoid the anxiety and the fear? I mean, I got six kids that are growing up in this world. How, how do I, how do I, how am I not a fear monger myself? How do I avoid every time you see them? I'm like, did you hear what they did out there? Did you hear? How do I avoid that? How? By flying to the righteous one, the righteous man, not a righteous man, not, not the, 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 the growth that's going into my own life or the growth that's going in your life, but to Jesus. And I think one of my commentators just said, this is a fly to Jesus moment. I mean, you got this grim picture on one end, but then you just have this unbelievable language of just such poetic and such beauty, so glorious. And so in the next section, it's just he highlights the faithful love of God, the, the, the exceedingly sinfulness of man in the first few verses, and then in the next seven verses, the faithful love of God. Look at verse seven, how priceless is your faithful love. How priceless your faithful love is, God. That's the point of this whole psalm. And sometimes to know it, we got to think about all the bad things first. And it's, it works the same way in gospel presentation. You preach the law to destroy man's righteousness, and then you give him the gospel. And then as Christians, oftentimes to just, just bask in the glorious, faithful, never-changing love of God, we've got to think about all the bad things. And it helps us to just have humility and gratitude in who God is and what he's done. And so look at this. Lord, your faithful love reaches to the heavens. Your faithfulness to the clouds. Your righteousness is like the highest mountain. Your judgment's like the deepest sea. Lord, you preserve people and animals. And animals, I don't know. It's kind of funny. It's, I don't know. I mean, that's how, that's how awesome God is. He preserves not only people, but animals. How priceless your faithful love is, God. So people take refuge in the shadow of your wings. What he's doing here is just highlighting the infinite, unchanging love of God. And we only got a few words to choose from to describe God's vastness and his bigness and his hugeness. And he, the words he uses is reaches to the heavens, to the clouds, to the highest mountains. He goes up, 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 and then he goes down, 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 down to the deepest sea. The sinful man doesn't stand a chance to this God. No, no chance. As bad as that picture was, it, it, it's not even, not, not, it doesn't even mar this beauty. Doesn't cloud this beauty. Doesn't affect this. Has no chance. They are filled with, from the abundance of your house. You let them drink from your refreshing stream. I am the bread of life, Jesus told them. No one who comes to me will ever be hungry, and no one who believes in me will ever be thirsty again. For the wellspring of life is with you by means of your light. We see light. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. The one who believes in me, as the scripture said, will have streams of living water flow from deep within him. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. It's beautiful the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. And Jesus spoke to them, I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus. This is the, the greatest display of God's faithful love is Christ. 
This is, this is David saying what Paul basically will say later in Romans chapter 11. Oh, the depths of the riches and the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and untraceable his ways to him be glory forever. Amen. Same, it's the same concept. Notice, again, David not comparing wicked man to any righteous man, but to God, the righteous one. And God's faithful love, his infinite love, his never-changing love is best seen in Christ. God, so God's love, God's faithful love, never-changing love, infinite love, was revealed among us in this way. God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. Love consists in this, not that we love God. No, wicked man doesn't love God. Wicked man, as Paul says in Romans 3, not, there's no one searching after God. Wicked man doesn't do this. God seeks, right? Love consists in this, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And so we have this picture of wicked man, but then this picture of just infinite love, power, grace, mercy, faithfulness, compassion. It's a look to Jesus moment. God in Christ, right, has saved us from our enemies, sin, Satan, and death. And God has saved us from ourself, from our own wickedness, from the wicked man inside of us. Now, if he's done that, which he's done that, all right, he is certainly going to deliver us from and judge the evildoers of the world. So this is why this is important. When we think about the evil out there, we have got to remember there the evildoers have fallen. They have been thrown down and cannot rise. So he highlights man's wickedness. He highlights God's faithfulness. And then he says, spread your faithful love over those who know you. Don't, don't be idle over there with your faithful love. Don't be stingy. Activate, activate, activate. Look at the world out there. Help, help, help. And then he says, look. They've been thrown down. If God in Christ has conquered sin, Satan, and death, our own wickedness, our own, our own sin, then he's certainly going to conquer that wickedness out there. That's what this is telling us. We will be saved from the very presence of evil and evildoers one day. One day. And for every one look at the evil in the world, take 10 looks at Jesus. How do we look to Jesus? We look at this song. We look at his word. We look at the promises of his word. That's how we look to Jesus. And then we say, Lord, I, this is your word I believe. Help me to believe. It's crazy out there. But your word right here says that you're going to win the day, that the evildoers are going to be judged, that they're going to be cast down into the pit of hell, never to get up again. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. Jesus is coming back to judge the living and the dead. When it's all said and done, regardless of what is going on out there, that doesn't touch this, this magnificent, infinite, never-changing, all-powerful love of God. God's, their, their evil will not touch the faithfulness of God. And when David thinks upon the remaining sin in his own heart, okay, here we go, coming back around, 
He thinks of wicked men in general and of God's faithful love. There's our equation, two plus two equals four. What do I do so I don't become overwhelmed with what's going out there? I look to Jesus. I look to God. Now, God is faithful to his people. Wicked men will not win the day, is what this psalm tells us. I mean, it's only 12 verses. It's awesome. It's what it tells us. Yes, there's wicked men. God is faithful. He will judge the wicked men. They will not win. Look to Jesus. We must remember that our own sin will not win the day either, though. I'm, I mean, this is where, like, this is, this is just where it just hits us. Our struggle with our own sin can lead us to despair. Dear Christian, do not despair. We will not outsend God's mercy. We will not outsend God's grace. We will not outsend God's faithful love. There is more mercy in God than remaining sin in you. His mercy, love, and grace is infinite and unchanging. And if this wicked man out there has no power over the faithfulness and the love of and power of God, then you who are a, a son and a daughter of God, of the king, who has, yes, some wickedness remaining in you that's being dealt with every day, all day, if, if that's not going to overcome God, you're not going to overcome God. And we've got to hear it over and over and over and over and over again. Because ultimately, in a nutshell, an oracle within my heart concerning the transgression of the wicked person. Who's the wicked person? It's David. It's David. I know he thinks of wicked person out there, but the wicked person is David. And when we are always thinking of the wicked person out there, oftentimes we lose sight of the own wicked person that still is holding on for dear life in our own lives. And we can, start, we, we can start to be surprised by what's going on out there. We can start to be uh, filled with our own pride because we're not like those people out there. We lose sight of who we used to be. We lose sight of who we still can be. So we need to remember who we actually are. Capable, yes, but not identified by it. Capable to sin, will sin, tempted to sin, but not going to outsend God's love. God is not, I mean, the, the fact that God is not changing is one of the most beautiful characteristics and attributes of God. Amen. I mean, he's not going to change. He's not going to unbirth you again. He's not, he made you alive. He's not going to make you dead again. Uh, he's giving you a new heart. He's not going to be like, yep, give me that heart back. Here's your old heart back. Not going to, that's not going to happen. And we need to hear it over and over and over. So for every one look, that you look to the evildoers out there, take 10 looks to Jesus, and for everyone look to the evildoer in your own heart, take 10 looks to Jesus. And how do you do that? Same way you look to his word. What does his word say? For while we were still helpless, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. But God proves his own love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. For if while we were enemies, man, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, then how much more, having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life? We've been saved as enemies. He's going to save us. He has saved us. He is saving us. He will save us. Now, this is Romans 7 time, right? Paul gets done unpacking what you all know. It's actually harder to read than it is to say, because it's just like, what is going on here? And we all know what's going on. It's like, hey, all this stuff I want to do that's good, I can't do it. And all the stuff that I want to do that's bad, I do it. 
And he's having this, he's having this battle. He's having this looking at the wretched man in his own life. And he even declares, what a wretched man I am. Now, there's arguments about whether he's a believer here or not. He's a believer. Everybody that doesn't think he is is wrong. It's okay. You can be wrong. But as a believer, he's looking in his own life, and he's seeing exactly what David's looking at when he looks into his own life. And Paul declares, what a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thank be, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's who. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus, he goes on to say. And that's where we got to get to and constantly get to because we lose sight of it over and over and over again. If we're okay at looking at the wretched man out there, but we have a hard time looking at the wretched man in here and believing God still loves us. No, we're not going to out God. If God is for us, who's against us? He did not even spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him grant us everything? Who can bring an accusation against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is the one who died, but even more has been raised. He is also at the right hand of God and intercedes for us. Who can separate us from the love of God? Can affliction or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things come nor powers nor height nor depth nor any other created being, nor the own sin in your own life, nor the, the, the temptation to sin in your life. You're part of this too. You're a created being. You're not going to overcome the love of God. We'll be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Praise the Lord. You may have had a good week this week. I'm, praise you. I hope you did. You may have had a bad week. You may have had a good week, and now you're going to have a bad week. And it's going to be because you just, this constant, this constant like uh, self-examination. And when we go in the self-examination mode, we, we, we start to lose Christ when we do it in an unhealthy way. And, and we can just be overwhelmed by what we are not only still capable of, we can be overwhelmed by some of the thoughts that happen come in our brain. Like, where did that come from? And we are overwhelmed by the things we actually do and say to the people we love the most. And this psalm is just a reminder that that's not going to overcome the infinite, all-powerful, faithful love of God for you. I mean, we look to Jesus. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. No one who comes to me will ever be hungry, and no one who believes in me will ever be thirsty again. Everyone the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will never cast out, never cast out, ever. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the one, this is the will of the one who sent me, that I should lose none of those he has given me, but should raise them up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him will have, will have this life, but you can lose it. You'll have this life as long as you still do really good. You, I'm going to give you life, Jesus says. And as long as you buck it up and suck it up and do really well and, and don't sin, 
then, then you can have this life. No, it's not what he says. He says we'll have eternal life, not temporal life, not maybe life, not, not perchance life, not perhaps life, but eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Ah, dear Christian, he is going to raise you up on the last day. Where sin abounds, grace superabounds. Oh, no, that's the scary verse. Don't say that. People will go around sinning. And Paul, Paul knows that people would ask that question. Oh, so if sin, where sin abounds, grace superabounds, should I go sin more so grace superabounds more? And it's certainly not Paul's answer. I would add, certainly not. Get born again. <laughs> Dear Lord, burnt that guy again. Give him a new heart. Why would he want to go sin more? Whatever. But it, doesn't, it still remains true. Where sin abounds, grace abounds. And, and we often just think about conversion. But no, even as his children. How many, I mean, how many relationships do you know that actually got stronger because God used your sin to strengthen it? Through the act of, I'm sorry, forgive me, and I, am, I forgive you, says the other person. And what could have destroyed the relationship, God turns it on its heels. And it actually strengthens. And if you're married, this happens all day, every day. And it happens with our kids. I mean, one of the, I don't like marriage counseling, and I'm not good at it, and I just preach the gospel to you. <laughs> um, I don't like counseling parents on how to raise their kids. I just tell them to, I remember Jesus loves you. Go love your kid. Um, but as a parent, you, you need to be telling your kids you're sorry. It's, it's yeah. one of the most helpful things you could possibly do. You know? And so we have this. Um, you can come up, Elijah. We, we have this thing going on, right? When we think about the wicked man, we should think first and foremost of who we used to be, right? I mean, that not only, that's not only what we were capable of. That was actually, we were identified as that. that that's who we were. Our standing before God was a wicked man. And then we remember that God, in his great mercy and his great love, saved us. And that he conquered death and sin and, and the wages of sin and Satan on our behalf. Okay? And then when we think about wicked man, we should think about wicked man that's out there in the world. And then when we think of wicked man, we should still think of some of the stuff that's going on in our lives. The residual effect of the dead man. That he's still... He's just battling with the spirit. But in all three cases, when we think about the wicked man, whether it's who we used to be, whether it's the wicked people out there, whether it's the wicked person still in my heart, you have got to look to Jesus or you will run the risk of just being undone on an emotional level, paralyzed on an emotional level. Listen to this from Luther, and this is all close with this. We teach and comfort an afflicted sinner this way. Brother, it is impossible for you to become so righteous in this life that your body is as clear and spotless as the sun. You still have spots and wrinkles, and yet you are holy. But you may say, how can I be holy when I have sin and I am aware of it? Well, that you feel and acknowledge sin, that is good. Thank God and do not despair. It is one step toward health when a sick man admits and confesses his disease. But how will I be liberated from sin? Run to Christ, the physician who heals the contrite of heart and saves sinners. Believe in him. 
If you believe you are righteous because you attribute to God the glory of being almighty, merciful, truthful, etc., you justify and praise God. In short, you attribute divinity and everything to him. And the sin that still remains in you is not imputed, but is forgiven for the sake of Christ in whom you believe and who is perfectly righteous in a formal sense. His righteousness is yours. Your sin is his. That's the great exchange. And nothing that you ever do in this life, dear child of God, is going to undo that exchange. The evil out there will not win the day. The evil in here will not win the day. When you think about the evil in the world and the remaining wickedness and sin in your own life, remember the infinitely faithful, never-changing love of God in Christ. Lord, your faithful love reaches to the heaven, your faithfulness to the clouds. Your righteousness is like the highest mountains, your judgments like the deepest sea. Lord, you preserve people and animals. How priceless your faithful love is, God. How priceless is Christ. Yes, it's bad out there. And yes, it can be bad in here. But our badness and the badness out there is not even close to the goodness of God. Not a drop in the bucket compared to who God is. And this psalm just reminds us of his infinitely faithfulness, infinite faithfulness, his infinite love, his infinite care. And we see it greatest in Christ. And so let's look to Christ right now in song, in communion. We're looking to Christ. We're remembering Christ. And let's encourage one another to constantly be looking to Christ. And it's, let's not act like it's some make-believe friend in our brain. No, it's right here. You look to his word. I mean, the, the people in your brain is you. God's not in your brain. There's, the voices in your head are all you, all right? We don't look to Jesus by just thinking in our brain and hopefully he's going to say a word to us and, oh, that's Jesus. No, we, we, we together, we sit under the authority of the word of God. Because if we're constantly looking to our brains to discover the voice of God, we're, we're never going to be that confident that we are actually hearing the voice of God. And when we need the voice of God most is when we're dealing in any area whatsoever of evil and wickedness, of sin. And we need to hear the voice of God say, hey, I have overcome the world. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. We love you. Sometimes it doesn't look like it, but man just to be reminded of your love for us and your continual and steadfast love for us and the, the size and the grandeur of your love for us. Lord, it actually, the, the hearing that you love us this much, despite of what we still are doing and capable of doing, it makes us want to, to, to even obey you even more. It doesn't encourage us and make us want to sin. But man, Lord, we can be overwhelmed by the wickedness in the world, and we can be overwhelmed by the, the wickedness that is, is in our own lives. Lord, help us to just look to you and to trust you um, and to know that the evildoers are going to fall. And, and the first evildoer to fall has already fallen, our old self, our old man. 
And thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.